You're listening to the number one podcast for nonprofit leaders, getting your nonprofit fully funded. This is the Fundraising Masterminds Podcast. I can tell you how often people who have been helping the organization for 10 years, you finally sit down with them and they said, I had no idea the problem was this bad. I want to help more. How can I help more? So what does your organization do specifically to solve that problem? Why would they want to start to help an organization that's six months old? All right, welcome back to another episode of Fundraising Masterminds. We are so excited that you are here with us today. Jim and I are going to be talking about this very important topic of major donors. And um, I love this, Jason. This is one of my favorite topics because it is so important to know what to say when you're in front of a major donor. I can't tell you how often I've heard people get take the time, set up the appointment, get it, and don't know what to say when they get in there. Yeah, this episode is a step-by-step guide to engaging a major donor. Yes, absolutely. So we are going to walk you through step-by-step-by-step-by-step what to actually say once you have a major donor appointment. Now, this isn't going to be talking about getting a major donor right maybe we'll do another podcast episode about that right. later um, because there's there's a whole bunch of things in getting to the point where right. you can have a major donor appointment yep. but assuming that you already have an appointment you've already got the major donor identified you've already got things lined up on the calendar and you're about to go into that person's office right or you're going out to lunch with that person yeah yep. what do you actually say yes absolutely in fact jason it's funny that you said having lunch with that person because mm. there is a totally different way of engaging that person than when you're in the office. Well, that's but we'll, probably we'll one of the first that. points that we should make is context matters. But context matters. Um, before we get into it, yes, I need to do my little spiel. Yes, please, <laughs> so absolutely. If you are listening to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Music, thank you so much. You're probably subscribed. Um, but if you found us on YouTube, uh, we want you to subscribe to this YouTube channel uh, because we release weekly podcast episodes for nonprofit leaders. We talk about fundraising. We talk about right. friend raising. Yep. We talk about major donors. Yep. Uh, we talk about all <laughs> kinds of great stuff. Uh, so subscribe because you don't want to miss out. So Jim, a step-by-step guide yes. to engaging Major donors. Right. Now, Jim, before we get into the steps, right. you said something earlier as I was opening the program that um, really got me thinking, you know, the location yeah. of where you engage right. is really important. I mean, an office visit in his office is going to be different than a home visit at his home or or a visit at a restaurant right, or right. a coffee shop. So where is the ideal place to have a major donor conversation? Absolutely. Well, I, I will tell you this, that the number one important success factor is distraction. Hmm. You want to have a setting where they will have the least distractions. You mentioned in a home. I can't tell you over the years how many times I've been in someone's home meeting with a couple and their little kids keep breaking in with, will you read me a story? Can you tell me about this? There are Homes can be very problematic. Mm. The biggest area, though, that I struggle with 
and have had challenges with is in restaurants. Now, you would really? think that a restaurant would be a great place to meet with someone. Let's just go to lunch together. The problem is, the is that, well, <laughs> yes, if you, you definitely don't want to go to a sports bar yeah. where you're being distracted. But also, you know, simply the server coming back and forth. Can I help you? What are the things that you need? Uh, are you ready to order at this point in time? Did you get enough? How are you enjoying this? All those kinds of things add distractions. Mm. But right. to be honest, if you are trying to engage someone and trying to show them, especially if you have particular pieces, if you want to have a video mm. or you have materials you want to show them, right. if you've got a meal in front of you, mm -hmm. you're having to navigate those kinds of things in addition to all the distractions that you have in the restaurant itself. I don't believe that a restaurant is one of the best places to have it. It's nice if you're just going to have a conversation mm -hmm. with someone. But if you actually need to get down to business and need to make a presentation, you're always going to do better at their office hmm. with that. You, you may run the risk even in the office of getting some distractions. But I've found that that tends to be the best place to have it would be in their office where there's the least number of distractions. You close the door and you have a conversation Because I with wouldn't people. have thought that the office would have been the best place. I would have thought uh, they would be treating it more like a business appointment. And then also, like for me going into their office, I would be a lot more nervous, you know, meeting them on their turf. Sure. I feel a lot more comfortable talking to someone outside of their office. Yeah. You know, getting them into more of a natural. Yeah. Place, you would but. you would think that. But a lot of it does depend on the relationship. Mm -hmm. If this is someone that you've been a great friends with for 25 years and you're finally introducing them to your organization, well, maybe a more relaxed setting is the better way. What about but, the golf course? Well, the golf course is a great way to have interaction, but not a great place to make a proposal. Uh, can you imagine on someone's backswing? Oh, did I mention? <laughs> the cost of that proposal. That's not what you're right. looking for in this particular situation. There's a point where you have to get down to business. Yeah. And I will say, even if I've got a close relationship with someone, there's a point where I have to turn on the switch and shift from, we were just talking about sending our kids to private school or their baseball game last right. week. I've got to shift to, there is a business mode, I flip the switch and let's get down to business. Right. So it really is not bad to have it in more of a business setting because right. you are talking about something that gets serious, especially if you're gonna be asking them to make a large commitment to your right. organization. If you're meeting with them outside of that context, then it's just more casual, they might not be taking you as serious that's right. Right. So that's right. Now, on the flip side, a home is not a bad place to have it, especially if you want to engage the husband and wife together. And a lot of decisions these days mm -hmm. are made jointly by the husband and the wife. Mm -hmm. So meeting with them across the kitchen table, as we talk about those kitchen table discussions, mm -hmm. that's not a bad place to have it. You just need to be prepared for those distractions that can happen. Right. If you're talking about empty nesters, shouldn't be a problem. So we've got five steps to a major donor appointment, Jim. Well, step one, 
Okay. Define the problem. Absolutely. Now you're in an appointment with a major donor. Mm -hmm. You've sat down, you've gotten through some of the chit chat. It's so important for you to ask questions of the major donor, first of all. You want to identify what's their area of interest and what do they know about you and your organization. Mm -hmm. So it's important that part of that is defining the problem because your organization was created to help to solve a problem. You have a mission and part of your mission Mm -hmm. is to end homelessness, eradicate human trafficking, to provide an alternative to abortion, whatever your organization was created to do. It generally was to solve a problem. Unfortunately, what a lot of organizations do, people when they go in to meet with a major donor, is they immediately get to, here's how you can help us. And the individual, it's assumed that the individual understands that there is a problem in our world. Mm -hmm. Now, I always use an example, an analogy. When I lived suburban Washington, D.C. area, Fairfax County, Virginia is one of the wealthiest communities in the whole United States. I had a friend let me know just how serious the homeless population was there. And I'm embarrassed to say that I completely ignored and didn't even see the homelessness problem. When she identified for me how many people in Fairfax County, Virginia were homeless, mm-hmm. it it opened up a whole new world to me. And when she talked about her soup kitchen and the pantry, that food pantry that they had, right. I really saw, okay, there's a need for this. Too many individuals go into a conversation just assuming that the major donor understands what the problem is and that there is a a, a solution to that problem. You could almost rephrase it to don't assume that the major donor even understands what it is that you do. Right. Oh, yes. That's right. You know, they might know the name of your organization, but they may not know what exactly you do and they may not know why you do it or what the motivation is. Right. Um, I know for me with my organization, Reaching the Heart of Zambia, um, I've made that mistake of just assuming that people know. But I I remember talking to a major donor last week uh, and he knew that we had a school, but he didn't know that the school was located in one of the poorest areas in Zambia. So we're actually taking the children off of the streets and we're putting them in school because they can't afford to be in school. And when he understood that problem, that like this village is one of the poorest villages in North Zambia. Right. And you know, these people can't afford to go to school. So we started this ministry to help get children off the streets. Right. Because when they're on the streets all day, guess what they get involved in? You name it. Everything that you can imagine. Right. Right. And that's part of the problem of the cycle of poverty is it just keeps going round and round and round. So in order to break that cycle, we have to do something different. We have to take these kids and we need to give them something else to focus on. Right. And that's what we're doing with our school. Well, once he understood that problem, Mm -hmm. right. Then it was like, Oh wow. I didn't realize that you were doing that to those poor, to these people who are so poor in the, in the community, you must really need some funding. Right. You know, it was like this immediate connection of like, how do you fund this? Right. If they're not paying for the school, then how does that yeah. work? Yeah. You know, that immediately, 
you know, bridge the connection there. Right, you know, right. For them, so. Well, it's just like if you said our organization is dedicated to providing water for people. Well, yeah, okay. Why is that important? Well, you need to understand that right. communities in certain parts of the world do not drink clean water. So, yeah, definitely don't assume that this person knows exactly what you do. Don't right. assume that they understand the problem. You're you're the expert. Right. So you explain the problem, even if you think they know. That's right. It's I think it's important to reiterate, you know, so everyone's yeah. on the same page. Yeah. Well, and I can't even, t- I can tell you how often people who have been helping the organization for 10, 15, and 20 years, you finally sit down with them and they said, I had no idea. I mean, I've been helping you for years. I had no idea the problem was this bad. Mm-hmm. I, I want to help more. How can I help more? Right. And that help that happens a lot. Yeah. Okay. So step one, define the problem. Step two, provide the solution. Provide the solution. So exactly. what does your organization do specifically right. to solve that problem? That's right. Exactly. And you've got to let them know what what is the solution so if they don't have potable drinking water Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you're providing water but how do you do that and you've got to look for creative solutions to doing things Mm -hmm. what makes your organization unique and different Mm -hmm. if if there's an organization down the street that's been around for 150 years that does exactly the same thing you do why would they want to start to help an organization that's six months six months old when they could help help an organization that's 150 years so why are you different what makes you unique what makes you different i always use the analogy colgate doesn't want to compete with crest crest is the number one winning toothpaste out there so they look for things that make them unique we have better whiteners we have better brighteners Mm -hmm. they talk about those things that make them different i've got an organization of friend of mine has a youth organization Mm -hmm. that reaches brings the gospel to high school students in atlanta and they do things differently campus crusade for christ crew has a high school ministry and they do great work Mm -hmm. this organization i love them because they do things differently they do things more creatively than we do and as a result that makes them very unique and very appealing to other organizations so finding the problem for finding the solution Okay, so to recap, we are talking about defining the problem, number one. Mm-hmm. Step two, define the solution. So these are just kind of general, like, did you know that homelessness is a problem in our area? Here's ways of how it's a problem. And showing them pictures, showing them videos, showing them the actual crisis of the situation. Getting then, them food, of course, right. is a solution, but how right. do we do that? Well, yeah, then step two is getting the solution. So obviously the solution to homelessness would be provide shelter, provide food, provide education, right? Right. But then step three is, how does your organization specifically accomplish that goal? Right, right. And exactly. that's what is gonna make you different from the other homeless shelter down the street, right? right? There right. might be two or three homeless shelters. Right, uh, right. But what makes your approach different yeah. from and, their approach? And this is where the uniqueness comes in that I talked about, because you've got to tell them how they get mm-hmm. that particular 
solution. Now, I use the example of providing that we need to provide water for certain communities that don't have potable water. Well, one of the ways of doing that, uh, we work in partnership with a group called Filters of Hope, as an example. They provide water filters, which is very unique. We you remember how for decades we talked about building wells. Well, there's a lot of organizations that build wells, but those things are expensive. Mm-hmm. And if you can provide them with a filter, a water filter can be provided very inexpensively and can be used for up to three months Mm -hmm. for individuals. And bringing water filters to a community is a unique creative way to do that. Right, so define the problem, define the solution, talk about your unique strategy for how you are solving that problem. Uh, And then the fourth thing is define ways to accelerate growth for your organization. So this is where we get into the accelerators. And we talk about this in great detail in our course, The Perfect Vision Dinner. Right. Um, But Jim, talk about what the accelerators are. Well, this is generally your programs or your projects that you're either starting from scratch mm-hmm. or you're wanting to build on that you want to grow. Right. So you want to... What if, are the if, things that you're going to do that are going to accelerate growth in right, your organization? Right, Project exactly. Or, or, or projects or programs, exactly. Project or program. And they, number one, they need to be measurable. So you need to say, here's how many more. <laughs> if we were providing water filters, 1,500 last year to a community we Mm -hmm. want to get to 2500 here's how we're going to do that that is measurable Mm -hmm. but it also has to be taken care of with money it there needs to we need to show them how their gift and their gift of specifically will make a difference right so in the business world we sometimes refer to this as smart goals uh, which is um, specific right uh, measurable right attainable yep relevant and time bound. Absolutely. And I these, use those all the time. That definition of a smart goal is a great way to know, um, you know, if you're going into a major donor and you're like, well, you know, I want to build a bunch of schools in Africa. Well, or I, I would like for all of our clients to come in to have a warm feeling or to be happy about the services we provide. Right. That's that's not measurable. Yeah. <laughs> or we want to eradicate human trafficking. Well, that's great that you want to do that, but like how are you going to do that specifically? Right. How are you going to measure whether you're doing, yes. you know, like how do you know yeah. if you've yeah. succeeded? Yeah. And is and it I, really attainable? Right. And so I think that's where, you know, having that smart goal, mm-hmm. you know, is really helpful yeah. to just know are your goals actually realistic? That's right. You know, if it that's doesn't right. qualify as a smart goal, you probably shouldn't be right. uh, using it as one of your accelerators. That's exactly right. So again, we have define the problem, define the solution, talk about how your specific organization can uniquely handle that solution, then talk about three ways that you can specifically accelerate, mm-hmm. right? So what right. are the SMART goals? Right. Um, usually two or three is good. And then Jim, the fifth thing. Is challenge, and it's so important. I, I can't tell you how many organizations and even presentations I've heard where people get the 
potential partner excited right. because they see there's a problem, there needs to be a solution, and they leave it up, well, just help us any way that you possibly can. Right. Well, what does that mean? Do you need my time? Do you need my money? What do you need? So <laughs> well, I you like the need way that be, you, uh, the way that you told me is challenge them with an opportunity. Yes, so absolutely. It's a very, um, I like the word opportunity. Yes. Because just saying challenge them yes. could be viewed as like, just ask them for money. Right. Well, right. it's important to look at it as um, we are opportunity brokers. That's right. When we go into a major donor appointment, yes. you are literally brokering them an opportunity yes. to be involved in God's kingdom. Right. And I think if you look at it with the mindset of, I need to raise money. I have a X amount of dollar in my head. I'm wanting to get out of this person. And you're looking at them like a wallet or an ATM or whatever we've talked right, about that in right. the past, right? Instead, what we need to be thinking about is uh, I am a representative of the kingdom. Right. Um, I have, uh, there's a bunch of opportunities that God might be opening for you to be involved in here. And you're just kind of presenting those opportunities with them yeah and you're letting the holy spirit work in their heart that's right right and you're allowing god to move and give but they need specifics right they you you have to be able to give them two or three ways um and i know like in the perfect vision dinner we talk about you know even going as so far to say you know a gift of 10,000 will help us to achieve this. Exactly. A gift of 50,000 would help us to achieve this. You know, a gift of 100,000, we could do this. Yes. And and giving them like kind of almost like painting what could be. That's right. Like if you stepped in, like allow your major donor to be the hero. Yes, you know, absolutely. Like allow them to feel what it would be like. What what could the future be like if you gave this gift? That's right. That's um, right. Well, it's been said that every organization has needs, but few have exciting opportunities. Right. And if you've got those exciting opportunities, the things that are going to really motivate people mm-hmm. and the bigger the challenge, oftentimes the bigger they'll want to get involved, the more they'll want to get involved. So provide them an opportunity and make sure that they understand what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. So just giving money is good, but what's going to happen with that? Just like an investor purchases stock in a company because mm-hmm. they want a certain outcome, individuals give to your nonprofit to mm-hmm. see an outcome. What's going to happen? Are we going, if we're going to provide water filters what is that going to do to a community what are we going to see from the outcome of that and it's so important and making sure that uh it's you are very specific with people Mm -hmm. in your challenge if you've never had any experience with them in the past is they're new to you try and do your homework find out what is their capacity you can Purchase services such as Wealth Engine. You can research them in in Zillow. Is yeah, and just look find up out the value their, of their home. Their That'll value, give you an uh, idea. At least an idea. That's right. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, if they've helped you in the past, you can use their past giving as an indicator of what their future would be. Although that isn't always the case. Right. We had an individual who was giving regularly about $2,000 a year mm-hmm. to our organization. We did some research on that, we found that they were giving as much as $4 million a year to another organization. And so hmm. sometimes you don't always know the potentials there. So put some things out there that, that are going to help to bring out right. their 
potential. And another opportunity that we could be making people aware of, which I always think this is a good um, kind of add on to the accelerators is um, giving them the opportunity to maybe be a part of a matching gift oh, yes. um, at your dinner. Right. You know, we're big advocates of uh, the perfect vision dinner strategy, and you can learn more about that at fundraisingmasterminds.net. Um, but, you know, every year we encourage nonprofits to do an annual dinner where they are raising the full amount of their budget. And a big piece of that is including the major donors. So one way that we can present an opportunity for them is to be involved in the perfect vision dinner right, in some capacity. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, really, I mean, if you drill down on the, the perfect vision dinner strategy, the ministry update that we talk about as part of that, I use that same outline of mm -hmm. the stating the problem right. and the solution and the ways we do things. Mm -hmm. That's how I set up the... Well, a, a lot of times, update. a lot of times, those ministry updates are put into a video format. Yes, and that and might be a great way to just. Way. You might be able to just play the video. Yes, you know, here's a three minute video that explains the problem right. and how we solve this problem. Right. Well, as an example of that, one of the videos we produced was knowing our organization brings the gospel to especially mm -hmm. college students, but the gospel to the lost. We produced a video not long ago, and we kept doing it year in and year out, mm -hmm. which was, who is God to you? And you would not believe the kinds of responses that we got from youth today. Mm -hmm. Who is God? And it set us up for the problem. When people really understood what how people perceived God, they really saw that, wow, there's a need to get the gospel out there because people don't understand hmm. who God is and who Jesus is. Wow. Well, this concludes our step-by-step -step guide of engaging major donors in a one-on-one -on -one appointment. Uh, hopefully that you found it very helpful. And uh, if you enjoyed it and you found it helpful, please let us know in the comments. And if you have a question or if you felt like we missed something, definitely let us know in the comments because we will read those. Uh, Jim and I read those uh, personally and we um, use your questions uh, to help us create new episodes. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also mentioned the Perfect Vision Dinner course in this episode. And if you would like to know more about that, you can check that out at fundraisingmasterminds.net. Uh, oh, and if you do a annual gala or banquet or dinner or dessert or any kind of annual thing where you're gathering people together for a fundraising event, Jim and I put together this survey. You can scan the QR code on the screen and we will ask you 14 questions. And through that, we're able to compare how your current event is stacking up against the perfect vision dinner model. It's really neat because it, it shows you the potential of what you could be raising, you know? So um, when you finish the survey, we give you a score and it's a percentage. Uh, so the score might come back at 60% or 70%. And what that means is that you could be raising, you know, 30 or 40% more money or your event is operating at 60 to 70%. It's potential capacity. Yeah. I know. love Jason that you can you can really help to predict how well you're doing but also right. see how well you possibly could be doing yeah. if you did a few things differently. Right. So definitely scan that code and take the survey because um 
we can pretty much gauge uh, the effectiveness of your uh, annual gala or yeah. your annual dinner. Um, so check that out and that will help you to know if the perfect vision dinner strategy right. is something that you maybe should consider for this next time around. Before I let you go, I would encourage you, if you enjoyed this content, hit that like button on YouTube and subscribe because we have weekly podcasts coming out every single week for nonprofit leaders offering you practical biblical solutions to all things nonprofits. And thank you again for tuning in. We hope that you've enjoyed the Fundraising Masterminds podcast and we will see you next time. Take care.